Thank you, Liz. Good morning, everybody. I am Jeremy Pleasant. I'm the senior pastor here at the Vineyard. I just want to welcome you. Really glad you're here with us this morning. Um, and just really grateful for, as, as Liz shared, you know, kind of our, our, our vision and our mission, uh, just to really give you uh, a very clear and distinct way of, of how we're moving forward, what God has called us specifically to, and uh, just how we're getting there. Um, also, so Dan mentioned this last week. The, the YouTube video of the week is just like, so we like to have a good laugh, you know, with something relevant every week. As you can see, Dan is struggling because of that video. So send your videos <laughs> into the office, and we're going to choose the best ones we have. Um, so we've been in this series called The Divided Kingdom, Stories from the Book of Jeremiah uh, for, this is now our, our fourth week, and so... I realize this hasn't been the feel-good series of the year. Like, I, I recognize that. But, but my hope is that through this last month and that today, that, that the challenges that have been presented in front of us will actually begin to transform us, begin to change us, begin to, to change. Romans says we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so as we change the way we think, we're actually able to engage and love people in a new kind of way that actually can help, as Liz says, change the world through the power of Christ. And so we, we, we come now to kind of this, the end of this series as we talk about um, one, one more critical thing in, in the book of Jeremiah. And I know it's funny, you're like, how can you do, why are you doing a whole series on like this Old Testament book, right? But you got to remember, and we talk about this a lot, like the Bible is one long story. There are two volumes, but it's one story, and they're all interconnected. And so it's really important for us to actually look at both, you know, both sides of it and look at, look at the larger story. Um, so before that, I want to let you know next week we're going to have a guest speaker from InterVarsity, uh, Christina Corsetto. So, that's, so it's really exciting, and so I want to let you know that that will be happening next weekend. Um, and so as we end in this series today in Jeremiah, uh, we're going to look at this thing called Lament. So let's look at uh, Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 1. And it's wrong on the slide, but it's, it's not 31, but it's 9, verse 1. Jeremiah says, Oh, that my head were a spring of water and my eyes a fountain of tears. I would weep day and night for the slain of my people. That's a powerful statement right there. So what we see in this passage, in this verse, is what we call a lament. A lament is something that is common throughout scriptures. In fact, there's a whole book about it called the Book of Lamentations. Now, you might be thinking, that's not a real book, but it is a real book. That's the list of the Old Testament, and there it is right there. It is a real book. It's a book we would never look at because no one wants to read about lamenting all the time but it's a real thing. And so the book of Lamentations was written around the same time that the book of Jeremiah was written. It was during a time when Israel was in a lot of suffering. And most people, most scholars believe that Jeremiah wrote the book of Lamentations. And so it's, it's really interesting to look at because lament is something that is very important. And so what does it mean to lament? Now, by the strictest definition, to lament means to weep or to mourn. 
okay? And so this is the base definition, but Scripture teaches us a lot about lamenting beyond that definition. It teaches us to, to lament when we face difficult times. Scripture teaches us to lament when wrong has been done to us. But it also teaches us to lament when we've done wrong to others. Scripture shows us that lament is meant to occur in both an individual and a corporate fashion. That it's not that sometimes I mess up, but, you know, sometimes it's, hey, we messed up. The thing about a lament is that it's never meant to keep us in a place of mourning and shame, but it leads to hope and restoration every time. So lamenting is a, is a missing piece in our faith journey as Christians, um, especially in the U.S. You know, we do everything we can to avoid struggle and, and focus on success. We celebrate and we seek out victory, which are all good things, but at the same time, we, we eschew failure, we, we downplay disappointment and cry quietly so no one knows that we're having a hard time. Being a follower of Christ means we're supposed to have it all together, right? Maybe not. Maybe our failures and struggles and disappointments aren't a blotch in our record, but the pathway to hope and healing and reconciliation. So, like, let's look at the Psalms, okay? The Psalms, that is the hymnal of Israel. This is what they worship to. 60% of the Psalms in the Bible are Psalms of praise. 40% of the Psalms are songs of lament. 40%. That's a lot of percent. It's, 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 a, it's a missing piece in our worship services. You know, it's like, if you look at the Christian top 40, how many of those are songs of lament? Maybe one. A space to lament is important to have as a community. I mean, what does it say in the New Testament? To mourn with those who mourn, to rejoice with those who rejoice, to weep with those who weep. And guess what? We got the rejoice part down pat. But we have some work to do to learn how to mourn corporately with those who mourn. Look, it's understandable. Our culture is very success-driven. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with success, but when that's the driving force and it's interlinked with our faith, then a couple of things happen. First, we dismiss or we minimize pain, thereby missing our opportunity for healing. That's what happens when we dismiss pain. Second, we dismiss or minimize the pain of others, thereby missing our opportunity to grow in compassion and maybe even facilitate their own healing. So today, let's, let's begin to make space for this and see how it can be an integral part of our lives and our walk with Christ. There was this one particular time in my life where I, I was going through an extended just struggle. And I just got this sense from God that I need to, uh, to, to, to read through the Psalms. And, and so I read through them one by one over the course of a year. I was uh, doing this Lectio Divina practice that we talked about at the beginning of the year and didn't even know, didn't even know what that was as I was going slowly, internalizing what I was reading and actually experiencing what the psalmists were writing. I, um, I started to notice something. So these psalmists, and there were a few psalmists who wrote the book of Psalms, were very intense in their expression towards God. 
they lamented hard. <laughs> like if you read some of the Psalms, you're like, you're having a lot of emotions right now. I don't know what's happening, but you're experiencing something. And these were prayers to God. So as that, this was something that they sang and worshiped to and prayed, I realized that not only was it okay for me to lament in the same way towards God, that like, hey, it's actually okay to actually be raw and honest about what I'm feeling towards God. He's, he, he's, he, he can handle it. <laughs> he's not surprised. They're like, oh no, what did you say? I can't believe that. No, he can handle all of that. But not only was it okay, but it's actually something I should probably, in fact, do. That maybe part of this process is I need to lament in this way towards God as a pattern we have seen in Scripture. I think one of the difficulties it is for Christians when it comes to lamenting is that we're taught not to complain. All right, and that's solid teaching, right? You know, we see in the Old Testament and New Testament, you know, not to complain, not to have grumbles. You know, it's been raining all week. I probably shouldn't complain about all the rain, especially given that I come from a state that is constantly in droughts, right? So like complaining about the rain, like those are complaints. So how is that I can tell us to lament when scripture tells us not to complain? It's because there's a difference between laments and complaints. The difference is faith. You know, as I was going through the Psalms, especially the ones of lament, I noticed something, this recurring theme over this year they always said at the end, in the Psalms of Lament, and yet, and yet, I will trust in you, God. And yet, I know you're going to bring me out of this. And yet, I believe in you, even though it's rough right now. Our complaints turn into laments when our posture is that of faith and trust. And this is why. Lament activates our hope. Lament is a catalyst that sparks light when everything around us is dark. This is what it did for me. In one of my darkest seasons, lament allowed me to find hope in a very long struggle. And so while the pain didn't end, I didn't fall into hopelessness because I was able to, re to remain true to what was happening and what was real. But I had a deep trust that God would, would pull me out of it. And something else, it was in my lament, it was in those spaces when I cried out from my soul that I experienced the very presence of God, that I experienced his deep love in the midst of all of my suffering. And it's here in this place where or my praise becomes deeper. My praise comes not from my heart, but from my soul. And that's what lament can do. When we allow ourselves to go down this path, it changes the way we worship. You know, as I think about the times that I've, that, that I've been wronged, that someone has wronged me in some kind of way, what I would do because of the way that I just grew up and, and the way it is, you know, just, yeah, just the way it was, I would ignore it, right? Like, yo, it is, it is, it is what it is. I would just ignore it. And I, and I would say, okay, well, I'm just, I'm going to forgive that person. And I, I like, I really, 
wanted it to be forgiveness, and I really thought it was forgiveness, but the reality was I was just ignoring what was done to me. I wouldn't lament it. But I was ignoring it because I don't want to deal with the pain. And I, I just want to move on. Right? That's a common thing, right? Like, why do we have to talk about this? Like, just move on. Like, how many times have you heard that? How many times have you said that? Very many for me, I know. You know the saying, time heals all wounds? No, it does not. Time hides wounds, yes. Time hardens wounds to protect protect us against further injury, yes. But it doesn't heal as much as I wish it did, as much as I wish I could just wait five years and this wound would heal, it doesn't work that way. So a, a few months ago, maybe, maybe longer than that, I broke my tooth, okay? Now, I can deal with it. I'm, I'm used to dealing with pain, and the reality was I didn't want to deal with the pain of that dentist bill, okay? <laughs> so y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, and so I ignored it. The pain subsided. Cool. But then the pain would return, and so I, like, I would just eat on just the right side of my mouth, right? So I don't have to deal with it. (laughs) Okay, so like, okay, problem solved. Take aspirin. Problem solved. I don't have to deal with it. This is the thing. The tooth didn't actually heal over six months. It stayed broken. But not only that, it got worse, right? So it got infected. It created more problems. So not only was now my tooth hurting, Now I was getting, like, infections every month because it kept spreading. You know, what takes us going to the dark places, the hurting places, getting the root canal, and God meets us there because that's where the healing happens. You know, we want to just walk it off. Scripture teaches us that that's not the way, but that in lament we find God. And guess what? Once that healing takes place, it changes the way we worship. Because it's not just the hope that happens, but the healing that happens too. It brings depth to our worship and our outward life. It changes our relationships in the way that we interact with people. It has a global effect. So as we discussed at the top, lament isn't only about our struggles and what's been done to us, but it, it is also something we do when we wrong someone else. You know, we talk a lot about forgiveness, and we should, like, that, that's important, but we don't talk a lot about when we're the perpetrator. <laughs> and look, there's a lot of talk about sin in the church, and, but the thing is, that doesn't exist in isolation. There's often a victim in the sins we commit. So a big part of lament is being able to take, take responsibility for when we fall short. Like to be able to own it. It's one thing to say sorry, it's another to mourn for what we've done and how that's affected someone else. You know how, you know, w- with your kids or niece or nephews, one hits another or, or spits on another, does something, you say, don't do that, say sorry. I'm like, sorry, Right? It's not like actually any kind of empathy there, (laughs) right? 
It's just like you're saying sorry because you're like, you're obligated to say sorry because mom said so. And that's what kind of happens a lot in, in, in our relationships with others. Is that, oh, it's like, oh, sorry that I hurt you, even though I didn't really hurt you. You just shouldn't have felt that way. I want us to get us beyond simply the words we say, but what's happening in our hearts. Because that's where real change can happen. It's a place where we don't want to go. Because, look, no one wants to feel guilty, right? Like, I don't want to feel guilty. I hate that feeling. I know no one else does. Feeling guilty is not the point. I've said over and over again that guilt and shame is not the way to live with Christ. But if we are willing to lament with someone who we've wronged, if we are able to take on that responsibility, something interesting happens. All of a sudden, they're no longer the problem. All of a sudden, that person or that group didn't cause what happened. All of a sudden, I can look internally and I can find the love and forgiveness of God, which is for me, in the midst of that. So that's the thing. We don't want to feel certain ways. We don't want to take on that responsibility because we don't want to feel guilty. But guess what? Since we don't want to feel guilty, we also can't experience that forgiveness. But if we're willing to take that step, willing to take on, yo, I messed up. We don't actually stay there, which is for some reason something missing in our liturgy in the church. We don't stay there. God comes in the midst of the place where we're feeling the most crappy. And he says, I forgive you, my son and my daughter. I mean, you remember the, the, Dan did the whole thing about the, the, the parable of the, the prodigal son. What was the father's response? Overwhelming love. You want to be able to experience that overwhelming love of the father? Try lamenting. And as that happens, a new character is just birthed within us. Like our character changes. And we have more compassion Look, for too long, we as a church have used toxic guilt and toxic shame to pursue holiness. And I want to avoid that at all costs. But we have to be able to recognize where we've missed the mark and not stay there. Like, okay, I missed the mark. I'm not going to wallow in shame. I'm going to recognize it and move forward. Continue towards acknowledging the victim in our trespass, which leads us to redemption and reconciliation. I mean, we see in the New Testament, right? James says, confess and repent. It's good for your soul, right? Paul says it. Hey, before we do communion, like, make things right with your brother or sister. Like, it's a theme. But, y'all, I don't know what it is about our culture, but we love to blame the victim. We just love to do that. It deflects our responsibility because we don't want to feel that way. But what if we didn't participate in that anymore? What if we changed the narrative and became reconcilers, healers? How could that change things? You know, the 90s brought a lot of good things. 90s R&B pretty much the best R&B there's ever been. It brought a lot of not-so-great things, like boy bands, right? 
Sorry, I know I just made like half y'all mad. It's okay. But what also came out of the 90s was one of my favorite phrases that we just have to get used to saying. My bad. That's all we got. Like, let's just start there. My bad. I didn't mean to do that. I recognize that I hurt you. That's my, that's my bad. Look, I'm coming to you as someone who's done as much, if not more, than you wrong towards people. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not talking down anyone here. As I as I'm was working on this this week, I was thinking about t- like uh, various times that I'm like, man, I did some really awful things. <laughs> I remember a friend who texted me one morning about how much um, something I had said the night before really, just really hurt her. And I had a, and and, and at first I was like, well, I didn't mean it that way. So what? And God had to arrest me in that moment. They said, Jeremy, harm was caused. You caused it. I want you to mourn with her in that. I want you to accept that. But also know that I love you and I forgive you. And when you apologize, she will too. I'm not calling you out right now. I'm trying to draw you in into this place of following Christ in a way that makes us healers and reconcilers. I want to look at that, that, that verse again, because there's something I want to point out here. Oh, that my head were a spring of water and my eyes a fountain of tears. I would weep day and night for the slain of my people. Now, throughout this series, we've been talking about how Jeremiah, this prophet, is trying to reunite Israel. It's trying to get them to turn from what they're doing and to follow God again. This is the thing. Jeremiah was not guilty. He had no direct action in what Israel had done, and yet he still laments, and he still takes responsibility for what they have done as a whole. Kind of like Jesus took responsibility something he didn't do for all of us. So as, as, you, as you're wrestling with this, as you think about those relationships and those encounters and, and things that come up, ask yourself, is it about being right or wrong, or is it about restoring relationships and restoring people? And as we said at the top, there is an individual lament. We have to be able to say, okay, in, in this one-on-one situation, I messed up. But there's also this corporate lament. We have to be able to say, hey, we as a church, we as a society, hey, we messed up here. Yo, that's our bad. <laughs> like that's also something that we just, that's, that's not really common in our culture because we're so individualized. But if that's what's happening here in Jeremiah, in the book of Lamentations, they are lamenting corporately saying, hey, we messed up. You know, there are times I've apologized to people for the church as a member of the church, as a leader of the church, though I didn't do anything to them, like personally. 
as a someone who's a part of the church, I'm like, yo, I am sorry. I am sorry for what the church did to you in that instance. That was wrong. And I want to mourn with you right now. So can we lament for how people have been hurt by systems and mourn with them? Whether or not we had direct action and possibly by lamenting with them, we can actually be a part of making things right. Can you imagine that? That we can be a part of making things right instead of blaming people's experiences on themselves? Dr. Sung Chan Ra, in his commentary on Lamentations, says, Lament is the language of humility. Lament is the language of humility. As we go through this process and make it a part of our faith journey, our character is made new. Our compassion is strengthened. And we experience healing. And so do those around us. So we forgive. And we ask for forgiveness. We ask God to work on us to allow us to lament or seek forgiveness when we don't think we should have to. Like that's going to take the power of the Spirit actually working in us to seek forgiveness when we feel like we've done nothing wrong. We ask him to strengthen us when we don't have the feeling so our words aren't empty. We seek his love and hope in the depths. We find grace and mercy all around us, and we become grace and mercy to others. Y'all, there is power in lament. Let's look at a couple practical tips. Spend some time reflecting on a wrong that's been done to you recently. Write a psalm of lament to walk through it. Let that lament lead to hope and healing. Like, Jeremy, how are you going to make me write a psalm? <laughs> that's not fair. I'm not a writer. <laughs> Go, there's, gonna be a, there's a process here, and there's a guide to do this, because this is a spiritual practice to be formed by Christ. And so if you go to vineyardbr.org slash lament, um, it's actually something I stole from my friend Donnell at his church in, in, at the vineyard in Ann Arbor. And, um, um, but he said I could steal it, so it's fine. And so that guide will help you with this activity. If you actually give space to this and do this and like be raw with it and do it honestly, I think you'll be surprised as to what happens. But there's this initial, not an, there's an initial and an ongoing, like, fear and hesitance because we don't want to go to that place, right? We don't want to remember. We don't want to think about that pain, right? We chew on the other side. <laughs> but go there. Do it. Try it. And just see what happens. And if I'm wrong, let me know. Call me up. Send me an email. That's how confident I am about this. Number two. 
Think about someone who you've wronged or who has accused you of a trespass. Place yourself in their shoes. Don't defend yourself or try to justify it in your mind. That's like, that's the hard part right there, right? Because that's what we do automatically. Like, it's just, it's, it's, it's our nature. Just, we get accused like, no, I, 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 no, that wasn't me. I'm not that. I didn't mean that. Look, I've done that 10 times, 100 times over. But push past that. Lament what has happened. Mourn with them and seek forgiveness. And at the same time, worship God for his forgiveness. Because it's ongoing and it's endless. And his mercy just has, has no end. All right, let's, uh, let's stand. So we're going to enter into this time of communion and worship. And so as we enter in this time, I just want us to reflect on what you've heard today. I want you to consider what God might be saying to you. And just like, open your heart. Put down the walls that you use to protect yourself. And let's meet with God. Communion reminds us that God is a God of rescue and redemption. That Jesus came to redeem everyone. And that he was willing to take on the responsibility of all of us, though he had done nothing himself. And so let's, 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 let's experience that right now as we take communion. Let's meet with Jesus right now as we take communion. Let that bread and that wine come to life as we worship Jesus.